Are you sick of diets, but you want to feel really freaking comfortable in your body? Great, then you've come to the right place. Join me, Melissa Ronda, fearless and forthright weight loss expert who helps busy women ditch diets, stop eating their feelings, and take their power back for good. Well, hello, my honest friends. Welcome to Honestly Melissa. I'm sorry I'm a little late today. I am just dealing with the drama that I create. (laughs) We'll touch on that a little bit. Um, But today, I really do want to share something very personal with you. Um, This is something that I've alluded to, if you've been following me for any amount of time. It's something that I've hinted at, you know, but I just never really came out and said it. And so today I want to share my very, very personal story with you. So why share stories in the first place? Why air dirty laundry? Well, for one, when you share, you have nothing to fear. There isn't a dirty little secret in the room. You are in control. And for two, sharing and storytelling is a form that we have used forever. And the reason is that is that people connect with people and people connect with stories. And if in sharing my story with you today, if you feel a connection with that, if you feel, if you've been there too, if you know someone who has struggled in the way that I'm about to share with you, um, it can bring a sense of hope. Because this story isn't a story for sharing for the sake of embarrassment. <laughs> it's it's a story of survival. It's a story of overcoming and it's a story of thriving. And so I want to share that message with you today. If we haven't had an opportunity to meet each other yet, my name is Melissa Ronda. I am the fearless and forthright weight loss expert who helps busy women ditch diets, stop eating their feelings, and take their bodies back for good. I am a true crime junkie. (laughs) And I love all dresses with pockets. Since launching The Honest Way in 2014, I have led clients to weight loss totaling over 17,000 pounds and counting. But even more important than that, they keep it off with the skills that they continue to implement. And before we go on, I do want to let you know If this story resonates with you, or if you are a woman who is struggling, um, the story I'm about to share is about, um, it's about stuffing down feelings. And we can do that in many, many ways. It can be through food. It can be through alcohol. It can be through sex, it can be through drugs, it can be through shopping or gambling, but the bottom line is this, 
We're all feeling feelings we don't want to feel. And so if this story resonates with you and you think that you may use food in the way that is an unhealthy way of handling your emotions, then I really do encourage you to join my community. There is a link in the show notes. There's also a link on the page as well if you're catching this podcast live on the Honest Way Business page. So here we go into my story. Uh, during my sixth year of marriage, I've been, this is my second marriage. My husband and I have been married for five years. Um, my previous marriage, I was married about 10 years. And during my sixth year of marriage, I began to experience aching, throbbing pain in my hands and my knees. My body hurt when I wasn't moving it. And so I remedied the situation by constant movement. Yes, I was that person who would sit in a chair and I'm tapping, tapping my knee, not from an anxious feeling, but like almost like that restless leg feeling. Like I just am not in control of my body, um, that it needs to, it needs to feel movement. And I had developed the skill <laughs> of sweeping my leg across the sheets on my bed while I was sleeping. I could actually move my legs while I was sleeping. It felt like they had a different brain and I couldn't control them. Um, I also started to hyper obsess about things I would get into. I really got into knitting and I never got very good at it, <laughs> but I could knit a really, really long scarf. And I did. I knit so many scarves because I would spend hours and hours a day knitting. If I was just doing anything, it was also doing knitting. And this was before we had iPhones. So that would be like your equivalent to using, um, you know, scrolling on Facebook. Like you're just very unsettled with your life. You don't know what it is. You know you're unhappy. And so you just kind of open up Facebook and you scroll because in those moments, it's like reprieve from whatever is ailing you and it's just helps you take your mind off that and so I would do that in a sense of like just plugging my ears and going a la 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 um, everything's great you know and I wasn't handling the elephant in the room and I was trying as I was thinking about this and sharing this with you I was trying to think back as to when the pain started and the pain, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was something I always felt or if and it just rose to, to the surface or if it came out of nowhere. But I know that it came to a head. Um, and my ex-husband and I had lived... Uh, you know, this is all, it's all together. It's all mixed in, right? So my ex-husband, who is a heroin addict now, um, at the time, he chronically could not keep a job. Um, and because I am a raging codependent, I chose to be oblivious to this. Um, and I chose to support him because 
I didn't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> and so I tried to I tried to act like it was the job, it wasn't him. And I just really, really was avoiding so much um, because I felt that I hadn't deserved any better than that and I didn't know any better and I just thought that was the way life was. So we had purchased so many homes during our marriage um, and we had sold so many homes. And so because of all of the chaos of this just crazy marriage, he can't keep a job, we're constantly moving, I have a very difficult time recalling certain periods of time or when things happen because of the trauma that I had been through. But I certainly can remember like what house we were in. I just don't remember all of the years. And I remember we lived in this um, 1908 white farmhouse and I had been knitting like crazy and I was in so, so much pain that I decided I wanted to go to a napropath. Now, I come from a family that is not alcoholics or drug addicts, but I definitely come from a family that is a Petri dish to create addictions. And I have a very addictive personality. And so I thought I was doing the right thing by going to a napropath. So what a napropath is, is a natural doctor, but can also prescribe medication. And I decided that I wanted to go to this woman. I, um, I have, at this time, I'm knitting like nuts. My hands, if you've ever seen photos, they are still very much this way. I have very unusual hands. And my, uh, all of my fingers point in different directions. And I have really knobby um, joints. And they're just, they look like grandma hands. And so I started to become obsessed with my hands. I thought for sure I had an autoimmune disease. And I wanted to handle things naturally. So I hired, um, I, I, I went to this um, naturopath at a chiropractor's office. And it was extremely expensive. It, a lot of it was covered on insurance, but there was definitely the deductible and the copay and all of that. But she ran me through the ringer. So I was doing STEM, um, which is like the little shock thing for your nerves and um, in your, in, in your muscles. I was doing chiropractic adjustments. Um, I was getting um, occasional massage, but not even like the good ones. <laughs> And she had me on a specific diet and some sort of anti-inflammation diet and um, tons and tons of supplements, tons of blood work, tons of like all sorts, urine samples, stool samples, like you wouldn't believe the tests that they can come up with. And you know what? No one asked me if I was happy. Out of all the questions on all of the forms and all of the blood work and all of the testing, no one asked, Melissa, are you okay? I spent thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars with this woman. 
And I would comment to her, look at my, my hands, my hands. And she said one day, Melissa, you know what? You really look like you have rheumatoid arthritis. Your hands are so unusual for someone of your age. It's no wonder that you are feeling in pain. And if your hands look like this, I can see why your knees feel the way that they do. Honey, you're sick. So she gave me two things. She gave me a referral to a rheumatologist. And she gave me a prescription for three months worth of Vicodin. The 10, I think it's the 10 milligram ones. They are yellow. They are strong. And I made the appointment with the rheumatologist. And I filled my prescription for the Vicodin. And I felt really, really smart because I knew something was wrong with my hands. I knew it. I knew I felt this way. I knew there was something wrong. See? And I felt so, so justified. And if that feeling wasn't intoxicating enough, the Vicodin was. Because now, listen, I am no angel. As I mentioned, I come from a family that we all have addictive personalities. So this wasn't the first time that I had been on some sort of mind-altering drug. But let me tell you, at such a horrible, horrible time in my life and was married to such a horrible human being in a situation that I put myself in and was unwilling to change it or accept it or look at it. So when I took that pill, it felt so freaking good. I got all tingly and warm and a smile washed across my face. And all of a sudden, that no good SOB laying horizontal on the couch, it didn't seem so bad. And I was like, well, you know, maybe he's tired and, you know, he, he works, you know. And as if I wasn't codependent enough, right? So I'm just really encouraging this behavior. So not encouraging him to change or me to change my situation. Rather, I chose to be a victim and I chose to ride the wave of chronic illness and prescription drugs because I was weak. And she told me I was a victim. And I liked the idea of being a victim if I'm being really honest with you. And man, it doesn't take long. And I think there's people out there that say, not me. That would never happen to me because I would never do anything like that. Well, let me tell you, all that you need to happen is an accident, a bad relationship. And you take that magic pill and all of a sudden life seems doable. You are susceptible to this too. Every single person is. And what happens with opioids is the fact that, oh my God, you're all of a sudden you can't just take a half of one and, and feel the level of joy in which you felt or the quote relief of your pain.
And all of a sudden you're taking six, eight, 10, 12. And so guess what happens? You run out of your prescription because she gave me this bottle to last me for three months because back then uh, there wasn't um, this big hoopla about it and physicians could write you a script for that much. So I was running out of the script and then I would call her and I would tell her some story and she'd be like, sure, she'd give me more. But I had to come in for another visit and I had to have all those other things done so that they could charge my insurance. She was feeding off of me, I was feeding off of her and I wasn't taking ownership of my life because at that time that's all that I felt that I could do. The bottom line is this, I haven't had anything like that. So I've had to Tylenol 3 because I had a surgery. But other than that, none of that stuff for me. No, no Vicodin, no, like, I don't know why I would need anything stronger than that anyways. Um, I got off. And here is how I did it. I left him. <laughs> I left him and I decided that I needed to do something very drastic. So I did what they they don't recommend that you do and I completely stopped taking all of it and I detoxed and by myself. And I remember um, several days into this that I was watching um, Flight of the Concords. I love that show. It's so funny. And I laughed. And when I left, I started bawling because I had felt feelings for the first time in such a very, very long time. And my body was a mess and I was in so much pain from getting off of the meds. But I felt something and that was better than nothing at all. And so I ended up leaving the home that we were in. It was really far out in the middle of nowhere. That wasn't a great situation. And I went to my mother's house. My children were very young. And she, um, she provided us with a wrestling mat to sleep on on the floor. She has a blue wrestling mat that she would use back 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 in the day to do an ab workout or whatever and she provided us this mat to sleep on and so I slept on that mat detoxing off of Vicodin with my little toddlers all on my own and I ended up getting a job at Target um, previous you know I was a paralegal before I had children um, but I just could take whatever I could get. Um, I just wanted to get um, a job under my belt, you know, and so I took a job at Target. And then ultimately, um, the pain was still so strong because when, when you get off of Vicodin, um, you have like a lot of pain in it. You can't deter, you can't, it's like hard to decipher if it's pain from not being on the drug or if it's the pain that got you there in the first place.
And so I ended up um, moving the children and I out to Indiana, um, where my father had a bed for us to share. And um, we lived there, and I went to see a doctor that prescribed me Suboxone. And Suboxone is a medication that um, there's a lot of controversy over it, but for me, it was a intricate part of my um, sobriety through um, prescription drug abuse. And so um, I took Suboxone and it, it's a sublingual tab. So it's like a little piece of paper that melts um, underneath your tongue. And I had really diligently cut them so tiny so that eventually I could be off of them altogether. And this stuff is so strong that like it was the just a little the top of a pin like the head of a pin i was cutting them at the end that small to just get off of it because there are people that get on suboxone that can just never get off suboxone and then they're addicted to that so i'm sharing this with you today because i want to tell you how i got off the suboxone as well because that's really difficult for people here's how i did it strength training because I went from feeling nothing on those pills to feeling everything afterwards. And it's like an overload. And, you know, in yoga, they teach you to breathe into the pain. And that's how you stretch out. And that's how you become limber is you chill the F out and you just allow what is to happen to happen. But people that have been in traumatic relationships or, you know, difficult childhoods, they want to control everything. And they have a really difficult time going with the flow because life has taught them the flow really sucks. And so they want to resist all of that and they want to control the world around them. And what happens is your body tenses up, you tighten up, your soul tightens up. And the only way that it squeaks out into physical pain, the emotional pain that I had inside was exhibiting itself through physical things like with my hands and with my feet. There was nothing wrong with me other than I was in a very unhealthy relationship because I had very, very little value in myself. So what I did is I started to strength train. And what ends up happening is you are forced to feel. Because with strength training, the only way that you really get muscle development is to push yourself those last few reps in a set. So if you think you can only do 10, you must do 12 to get results. And you do that by going to 10, and then you just say, just one more, just one more. And if you're lucky, just one more. And so those two or three squats or whatever you did that you didn't think you can do that hurt while you were doing them, when you are done, the you have such a feeling of elation because you have done something that you didn't think that you were strong enough to do and it hurt like hell and you survived. So what happens is you learn 
to feel feelings that are unpleasant because you are now building confidence that that is not forever. But you can just stay in the pain if you choose not to handle it. You have to be able to push yourself through the pain. This only happens when you make a decision to stop being the victim. I can come up with numerous reasons, different, different lenses of the story where I could say, it's the doctor's fault. It's my ex-husband's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's society's fault. Here's the deal. It's my fault. My life didn't happen to me. I allowed all of these things to happen. And so once I took ownership of that, I was able to make change. And I knew, I knew that I needed to go about it the way I intended really half-heartedly in the first place. I needed to change the way that I ate and I needed it to get active. And when I did that with the strength training, I learned that I was capable of things that I never thought that I was before. You can not only just survive, you can thrive and you deserve that. But you've got to be willing to feel, feel uncomfortable feelings and get through that. And so today I want to encourage you, first of all, if this story resonates with you on a personal level, I would love to hear from you. I will also put um, my social media links in the show notes. Um, you know, this has been a big leap sharing this with you today, but guess what? I asked on Instagram how many people have um, know, personally know someone that struggled with addiction, and the percentage was something like almost, I think it was 80-something percent of the people. Um, so I know that we're not alone in this, and sharing this story, if this helps inspire someone to get through, then and I've got to share it that way, then, then so be it. But I want you to know that you are so much stronger than you think that you are. You just need to start to move. And so even if you don't believe in yourself yet, even if you, if you have stuff you still want to work out, just try to do a couple, you know, squats in your house even. Start moving those knees. And when you're like, oh, man, like if your doctor says you're well enough, you know what I mean, right? Start to lift some weight. Start to get uncomfortable. Start to build some muscle to support that body of yours. And it's going to support you in so many other ways than you, you've ever imagined. You really do deserve to live the life that you want. You deserve to thrive. And I hope that sharing my story today has inspired you if you need that in your life. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.